Good morning. I wonder if you have a Bible, if you would turn to the Psalms, and we're going to read from, uh, from Psalm 7. I've got the wrong version here, so I'll probably have to get the one that you'll have in your... Uh, Psalm, Psalm chapter 7, or Psalm 7. And you'll know that the Psalms are... It's like the songbook of the Bible. It's like... Um, poetry. It's, it's God's people speaking to God and God's people sometimes moaning at God and sometimes getting really angry with God and sometimes frustratingly saying, oh, we don't understand this God. It's, it's the very real kind of um, gut responses of the people of, of God. And a lot of them are written by David, who's one of the greatest leaders in, in the Bible. And this is I'm expected that this is a psalm of of David, and we're going to read together. Psalm 7, verse 1. O Lord my God, I take refuge in you. Save and deliver me from all who pursue me, or they will tear me like a lion and rip me to pieces with no one to rescue me. O Lord my God, if I have done this, And there is guilt on my hands. If I've done evil to him who is at peace with me or without cause have robbed my foe, then let my enemy pursue and overtake me. Let him trample my life to the ground and make me sleep in the dust. Arise, O Lord, in your anger. Rise up against the rage of my enemies. Awake, my God. Decree justice. Let the assembled peoples gather around you. Rule over them from on high. Let the Lord judge the peoples. Judge me, O Lord, according to my righteousness, according to my integrity, O Most High. O righteous God, who searches minds and hearts, bring to an end the violence of the wicked and make the righteous secure. My shield is God Most High who saves the upright in heart. God is a righteous judge, a God who expresses his wrath every day. If he does not relent, he will sharpen his sword. He will bend and string his bow. He has prepared his deadly weapons. He makes ready his flaming arrows. He who is pregnant with evil and conceives conceives trouble gives birth to disillusionment. He who digs a hole and scoops it out falls into the pit he has made. The trouble he causes recoils on himself. His violence comes down on his own head. I will give thanks to the Lord because of his righteousness. I will sing praise to the name of the Lord Most High. So God, um, we come to you as our friend and our Lord as our comforter and our shield, and as the one who reveals truth uh, to our lives. And we, we have this belief that this word of yours is living, and it changes situations. And so as we come with all of our stuff, all of our joys and sorrows, all of our questions and doubts, we come to the God who speaks. So speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. I guess, I might be wrong, but I guess like me, um, 
you look at our world and our country even at the moment and our politics and our culture and, and our lives and our futures and our you know, financial possibilities and, and you wonder how in the world is this all going to pan out? Because it does seem that, um, that no one has answers. You know, there are some people who think they have answers, but honestly, it, it does seem that whatever way you turn, nobody's got certainties. No one can say, well, if you just do this and this, and you know, we'll, we're going to be okay. We'll, we'll sort it all out. Um, what I do know is this, that in a, a tumultuous world, um, it only takes a little personal opposition to, to tip the balance over and, and destroy us, doesn't it? You know, in a world where we don't have answers, in a world where we're not got a lot of security, if somebody opposes you or someone says something against you or someone does something or, or it starts to get very personal, it can, it can take the, the rug up from uh, un underneath you very easily. And it, and it happens so often, actually. There's none of us who's going to get through this life without some kind of personal opposition or difficulty. Not, not, not one person. Because we're a broken people. And we live in a broken world. And we're all trying to search for a, for, a, for a true north. And we're all, at different times in our life, settling for a selfish south. And, and in amongst all of that, we are supposed to be the people, because we've got a, the book and we've got a relationship with God, who understand what true north looks like. But even we are not immune from opposition and persecution and doubts, and storms, and difficulties, and challenges. Are, are we? I mean, that's true, of, must be true of, of our lives. And, and I absolutely love the Psalms, because they're real. It's like visceral, isn't it? It's like there's, there's nothing kind of polished about them. It's not, um, well, here's some theology that you need to believe and you need to understand. This is, this is the kind of gut-wrenching responses to difficult situations and questions of the people of God. And, and this is, I guess, if in our most honest moments, these are some of the kind of things that we would say. God, where are you? God, why are you not? God, would you destroy my enemies? Because <laughs> you know? there's a lot of that, actually, isn't there? It's a lot weaker. It would just destroy my enemies. And we, um, in our best moments, we go, well, that shouldn't, we shouldn't say things like that. But actually, a lot of the time, that's what we think. Just get rid of our enemies. Get them, get them out of the way. And I, and I love this. Let's look through this psalm. David, who's living in a world of incredible conflict. He's, it, 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 we don't know because, well, the commentator's not clear at, uh, around this, but it seems that David's in a situation where he's, he's, um, he's being opposed by this, this guy, um, called Cush, who's a Benjaminite. And, and, and it's probable because Saul, who's David's great enemy, is also a Benjamite, Benjaminite, that um, Cush is trying to cause trouble between David and, 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 and Saul. And uh, Cush is saying bad things about David and undermining David and causing difficulty for David. But I want you to understand this, that David, who's going to end up being the greatest king, with all his attributes and all his gifts of leadership and all his power and all his ability to sort this out just takes this issue to God. And almost that's the, that's the talk over. 
Almost that's the thing that I want you to, to, to get. He, he could try to fix it. He could try to fight it. He could try to manipulate it. He could try to defend himself or attack the other person, but he, but he takes it to God. He, he faces God. Verse 1, O oh Lord my God, in you I take refuge. Save me, deliver me. I think this is, this is massive. With all the power and all the abilities and all the friends that you have at your disposal, the thing God wants you to do is choose him. It's a massive thing to learn. I wonder how many hours and how many months I have wasted trying to fix things and sort things and fight unwinnable things because I'm taking responsibility for stuff that's not my responsibility. When he is God and he is interested, can you see that? And he loves me and he can sort all things and the answer is prayer. So David says, save me. That's his first go-to. And here's what I want you to notice. He says, save me. And he doesn't start with, they did this, and they said this, and it's not fair, and they didn't understand, and I'm totally on, uh, uh, you know, innocent of this, and you won't believe what they're doing now, God, <laughs> which is probably what we would do. He starts with himself. Verse 3, he says, save me but first search me. This is, this is huge. This is huge for our culture because I'm sure you will have noticed that we live increasingly in a victim culture. You know, when I was younger, we, we probably generally had an honor culture where um, if someone dishonored you, you would think it was perfectly right to, to try and show that you were honorable and you would respond. But we're living now in, in, in what is generally regarded to be a victim culture, where there is something better than being right. It is being wronged. If you're wronged and you feel wronged, then you get kudos and and. Uh, and, and, and um, uh, respect for being wronged. So people like to be, to be wronged. And uh, the, the, I think the most powerful words in our culture right now, check this out, are, I am offended. They are. I mean, we haven't got time right now, but, but if you were to look into what the government has done around hate crimes, you would realize that we're in a very dangerous situation. If someone claims to be offended by something someone says, the whole rule of law has been turned on its, on its head. You don't even have to prove that that happened. You just have to prove that you felt offended. It's a very dangerous situation that we're in right now. I'm, even, even check out what has been going on in, in politics this week. You can't make a mistake with a word that you use without everything being rained down on you because we're in this victim culture. It's somebody else's fault. Somebody else is to blame. You have to find somebody else to take responsibility because we're not willing to take responsibility. I love what David does. He says, save me, but first search me. Because I'm pretty sure I've got some stuff. You know all things and see all things. Look at verse 9. You test minds and hearts. So I invite your examination before I invite your judgment. 
It's a really brave thing, isn't it? It's a brave thing to say to the God who sees all things, search me. But it's even braver to do what David then does. He says, I invite your examination, and now I invite your correction. Verses 3 to 5. Search me, sift me, and then save me. In other words, if I'm going to appeal to your justice, I better be clean. <laughs> Does that make sense? If, if I'm going to appeal to you to be just, I, I better be in a, a, a good place myself. I, I don't just need your examination, your opinion, your analysis. I need your correction, your treatment, and your cure. I went to, um, to the doctors um, when I was on sabbatical because I, I had a lump on my head. And um, I went and uh, had uh, you know, analysis, and then I had an operation. And uh, um, uh, oh, yeah, I will tell you about it. So I had this operation, and it was just the local anesthetic. Um, and I'm absolutely awful with needles. And you'd have thought that I've got over this by now. But, so I'm sitting at this angle in the, in the just, it was just the GP surgery. It's nothing majorly dramatic. At this angle, looking up at the ceiling, and he says, it's just going to be, it's, it's here, so it's going to be a little sore, and I'm going to do one or two uh, local anesthetic injections. He did nine. And, and on the eighth, I said, I'm really sorry, but I think I'm going to be sick. <laughs> and he said, yes, you look gray. <laughs> So they lower the thing down, they undo the window, and uh, after about three or four minutes, I'm actually, I'm actually okay, and then they do the stuff, and it's fine, and, um, and then at the end of it, I, 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 was, I was mortified. So I said to the, the male doctor and his junior, who was just observing male, I said, I'm, I'm just so sorry, it's a bit embarrassing, and and, uh, you know, I'm really apologize, and let's not tell anyone about this. <laughs> and uh, he said, oh, no, 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 no. I've had some things like this really quite painful up here, and you can see it, and it, I understand completely how you might. Um, you know, we, not, I'm, we don't think you're a wimp at all. The female nurse then said, you're a total wimp. <laughs> anyway, that's got nothing to do with what I'm saying. The point is this. The point is this. I went for an examination and the analysis, and he said, yeah, that needs to come out. We can do it, not a problem. But that was only half the deal. Because I could have walked away and gone, well, that, yeah, I know that kind of needs to come out, but I can probably wait for a few years and I don't need to get it done. The, the, the full deal was I had to sit down and have the operation and take the thing had to be taken out. And, and, and here's the thing, lots of us sing the songs and pray the prayers, search me, O Lord, and know my heart and see if there is any way in me. But not many of us invite the Spirit of God to cut us and to heal us and to cure us and to work in us to, to make sure that we're actually the people that he wants us to be. We like the words and the phrases, and, but there is no power in just the analysis or the opinion We'll not, we'll not see lasting change until we say, God, I want the whole deal. If there's anything, I want it gone. So I, I invite your correction is a brave and powerful prayer. But that's what David prays. 
And, and David appeals to God's justice. Look at verses 8 to 11. I don't think we like to talk much about God's justice and, and his judgment. Because I don't know what it is. Maybe we've grown up in churches where we talked about that too much. Or maybe we're just a bit embarrassed by it. Or you know, God, the God who is, is just. But actually, we, we want God to be a judge when we think about it. Because we know there are some bad things in our world. We know there are some people who do things that they shouldn't do. And we want someone to be able to draw a line and say, that shouldn't happen. Otherwise, there are no rules anymore. We want someone to be able to um, roll it all up at the end of time and say, you did that and you shouldn't have done that. And that we, we, we want that. We want someone, people to get their just deserts, don't we? We want you know, rapists and terrorists and blah, blah, blah. We want those people to... We do. We want, we want God who is, is just. And, and what the scriptures say is that, that that's who God is. He's a judge. He's a wise, good, compassionate judge, but he's a judge. And it's a, justice is a constant reality for us. That's why we feel the way we feel. We, we know things and some things are not just. That's why we have this moral compass. That's why we have this moral system. That's why we have outrage when things happen that shouldn't happen. We know there is a line. And, and, and sometimes we even take on the role of judge, don't we? No, actually, lots of the time we take on the role of judge. We're always judging. We judge people's motives. We judge why they do things. And, and David says, I, I want to appeal to ultimate justice. God is a righteous judge. I love this. Verse 11. God is a righteous judge who feels indig indignation is the, is the word that's being used here. Every day. Have you thought that God feels that? That God's sitting around. <laughs> Probably not sitting. He's doing. But he, he's... He's not only saying that's not good, he's feeling indignation about stuff. Shouldn't be. Why? So David says God is a judge, which is huge. He's saying he's the righteous judge, which is even bigger. He never gets it wrong. And he's saying that he's predisposed to want to put things right. And the question here is righteousness. So follow the logic here. David says the evil people who are doing bad stuff are not righteous. In other words, they're not right with God and they're not right with themselves. Only you, God, are righteous. You're the standard of righteousness. You're the heart of righteousness. You're the source of righteousness. You're, you're the righteous one. And when you judge people, you judge unrighteousness righteously. You get it right all the time. And so, God, I don't want to stand in the judgment, which I know is coming because I know this whole world that you've created is based on a system of justice. I don't want to stand in the judgment, which I know is going to come as unrighteous. I want to be righteous and right with you. And then David says this last verse that Chris picked up earlier. He says, I will give thanks to the Lord because of his righteousness. And I will sing praise to the name of the Lord Most High. And what David is doing, I'm not even sure he knows what he's doing right here, but he's, he's pointing forward to a moment when we will not have to stand on our own righteousness because you can never be righteous. But you get to stand in God's righteousness because he does something about it. And as we come around the table uh, this morning at the, and as we stand the other side of Jesus and the other side of the cross and the other side of the empty tomb, 
And as we read Paul's letters, when he says, a righteousness from God has been revealed. A righteousness from God has been revealed. You don't need to stand any longer in your righteousness, which is always going to be less righteous than it needs to be. But you get to stand in his. That's what, that's what this does. That's what the cross does. That's what the blood of Jesus does. That's what the body of Jesus does for us. He trades my unrighteousness for his righteousness. He says you don't have to stand in your brokenness and in your lack of healing and in your rebellion and in your sin and in your shame and in your mess and in your unrighteousness and your wrongdoing. And he nails it to a cross. And as he does, and as I agree to the deal, I pick up his righteousness. And I'm right with God. And I'm desperate to stay there. And I'm desperate to live that way. And so as we face a world which I think is increasingly unstable, as we face a future which is we don't need to be frightened of, but we definitely, we definitely don't know what that holds for us. And as we face opposition, because we're, we're living in a broken world, the psalmist says, take it to God. Take responsibility yourself. It's not everybody else's fault. And... and Appeal to the justice of God, but do so knowing that this has been done and that you stand in his righteousness and live righteously because of the cross and trust God. Let's pray. And so just in these moments, why don't you bring to the God who hears and the God who cares and the God who can your concerns, your struggles, your fears? him for his righteousness and his justice. And ask him to search you. And heal you. Father, we thank you for your word.